0: the usa today network welcome to the chop
1: a rutgers football podcast
0: now here are your hosts ryan ross chris eisman and steve edelson
2: and welcome to the chopper rutgers football
0: podcast
2: rutgers 22 boston college 21 the scarlet knights 1 and 0 to start the season we will break it all down in episode two of the season ryan ross here with chris eisman and steve edelson Guys, a win on the road against a Power 5 school. Plenty of things that Rutgers showed that fans will like to see. Of course, other things that fans and coaches will want to clean up as the season moves along. But a win is a win, and it's a tough win on the road. A nail-biter, 22-21, that final score. As I said, we saw a two-quarterback system from the Scarlet Knights. A lot to unpack from this win, Chris. But what did you see up in Chestnut Hill as
0: Rutgers wins their first game of the year? Yeah, Ryan, first of all, it was, uh, you know, obviously it was a, just a, a great way to, you know, start football season. Obviously it was a good environment up at Boston college. And I have to say it from a personal note, it was the first time I've ever had clam chatter at 11 in the morning, but that was what was available in the press box for the media meal. So that was a first for me. Um, but in terms of the game, yeah, obviously, you know, it was a gutsy win by Rutgers. It was a game that it, they really looked like a different team in the second half. I mean, they, they cleaned up a lot of mistakes. Um, they... Uh, just kind of offensively, you know, obviously started to run the ball more as we saw, you know, on that final drive and defensively they, they limited Boston college. And, and in the first half it was, you know, it was ugly at times. I mean, on both sides of the ball, I mean, just too many penalties, obviously, you know, they had that one promising drive completely killed and uh, ended up punting on fourth and goal from the 43, which is not something that you see every game. Uh, so it was, it, there was definitely, you know, Greg Schiano said it a lot of, you know, some of it was nerves, um, but there was definitely, you know, things to to clean up and there still are. But listen, at the end of the day, that was a gutsy performance. It was a gutsy win. It was a win that, quite frankly, I'm not sure, you know, teams of, you know, recent years would have been able to pull off. But um, this team, you know, it, it has a lot of belief in itself. It believes that it can win. And, you know, to go on the road and, and beat a power five team, you know, to get the season started is really significant. And And, and you know, listen, I mean, you could say it's Boston College and they had issues of their own, you know, a, a, you know, a kind of assembling a new offensive line like Rutgers is. And, you know, are they, you know, world beaters? No. But listen, it's a good it was a good power five team that was bowl eligible last season on the road. Again, it was a gutsy win by Rutgers and deserves credit. And it, it you know, it, it changes the perception of this early part of the season. If, if they had lost that game. It, it there would just be a different feeling in the program, outside the program. Um, it, it you know, they're getting national attention. I mean, you know, you see 247 sports ranked them number 30 in their top 30 this week. Um, you know, Kirk, Her- Kirk Herbstreet said that he was ranked them as number six in his he does like the six power five rankings, you know, the top performers, and they were they were number six. So, you know, it, it got them national attention, and it also obviously, as we've spoken a lot about it It put them in a good position to now go you know you, you think that they can beat Wagner you think they can beat Temple and be 3-0 going into that uh, Iowa Big Ten uh, schedule opener you know that's that's a good spot to be in and as we saw Iowa a couple you know they're, they're not exactly uh, an offensive juggernaut. I think that's safe to say that. Uh, so, well, listen. I mean that that Iowa game will be really, really interesting at SHI Stadium in a couple of weeks. If Rutgers can continue to win and and like I said, go three and zero entering that game. So, yeah. I mean, like, 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 listen. It was it was a it was a significant win for Rutgers. So um, certainly, you know, a good start for them.
1: Well, and I think that right there is the is the key in that. Just imagine a young team, 3-0, and feeling good about itself, a lot of momentum with Iowa coming to your place. You know, now you've got a big game. Now you've got some real atmosphere. And, and let's face it, I, I mean, look, uh, you know, South Dakota State's an elite FCS team, but they're an ele- FCS team, right? I mean – Iowa wins seven to three. They're coming to your place. You know that that could be a winnable game for a young team feeling good about itself. So to me, that was the importance of the BC win. Now the path is there to three and zero. Now there's a potential path that still exists to the postseason. And, and as Chris said, it just changes the vibe completely now. But by by winning it, and and you love the way they did it, it playing their best football when it mattered most late in that game.
0: And listen, is a bowl game a necessity for a team? You know, it's in a rebuild and a young program. That as we know, what the state of this team is right now. No, it's not a necessity, but it's a goal. Yeah, yeah, of course, it's a goal for them. I mean, every team wants to go to a bowl game. So, young team or not, you want to be on a path to a bowl. So, right now, they are.
2: And it changes. It changes the vibe, not just nationally, like you mentioned, Chris, and some people talking about Rutgers, but in that locker room as well. This is te- this team. They were losing after every quarter on Saturday. Except the fourth, the one that mattered. They pitch a shutout in the fourth quarter. They put that nice drive together to score a touchdown, and they win the game. And it's and as we said, it wasn't pretty at times. And Greg Schiano said it too. But a win is a win on the road against a Power Five team. Here's what Greg Schiano had to say about it:
3: First game, we had some first game jitters. We had some guys that were playing for the first time. You know, we played multiple quarterbacks. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we have to sort through and and uh, get better. I mean, really get better. We had 10 penalties. That's not who we are, but we did it, so it is. Um, we got to fix, clean that stuff up. So there's so much to work on. Um, you know, Wagner's coming in. They had a tough game with Fordham, so um, I'm sure they're going to be hungry and come in here looking to, to impress. And, you know, to me, it's about us. We got to get better. And uh, just like last week was about us, you know, uh, this week's about us.
2: And you heard Greg Sciano mention it there in the audio from Rutgers, uh, the quarterbacks. That was the big thing in training camp, who was going to be the starter for this team. And we saw a two-quarterback system on Saturday. Evan Simon, 8 of 12 for 63 yards. Gavin Wimsat, 5 of 9 for 47 yards. Wimsat also ran five times for 40 yards uh, coming in and out of the game. So, Chris, uh, you know, as you put game one in the books and you see this two-quarterback system the Scarlet Knights ran, what do you make of all of this?
0: Yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was an interesting situation, obviously Saturday, you know, we report that Noah Vigil uh, was going to be out with an undisclosed injury that he had suffered in practice. So he was already, he was unavailable going, as we knew, going into the game. So now all of a sudden you're waiting to see who's going to be the starting quarterback. Who's going to be the guy, like who's going to be the winner of this competition and who gets the job? Johnny Langan. He takes the first snap (laughs) of the game. It was, you know, you're kind of just shaking your head like, okay, here we go. And then it's it, Gavin Wimsack comes in and then Evan Simon comes in for the next play. So that kind of set the tone. Listen, Greg Ciano has made it very clear since the start of training camp, that whatever it takes to win is what they're going to do. And if they feel right now that playing multiple quarterbacks is the way that they're going to win football games, then that's what they're going to continue to do. So no one should be surprised by this anymore. He said, it. he left, he literally he pretty much told everyone the Monday before this Boston college game that they were going to play multiple guys. He said, I don't know how many you'll see. So, it shouldn't have been a surprise that they played multiple guys. So when I'm seeing people go like, wow, why are they playing multiple quarterbacks? He said that they were <laughs> going to do that. So listen, I get you might not like it. You might want to see him roll with Gavin Wimpset. And quite frankly, in a way, I, I agree. I, I think that they could have rolled with Gavin Wimpset more. You know, he had a couple of really nice drives. He showed him that big run that he had that ultimately that drive, as I said earlier, was killed by the penalties. But he showed what he can do. But Listen, Evan Simon, that's a good moment. He showed he's an accurate quarterback. This, they're going to continue to roll with this. And right now, when you're going up against teams like Wagner and Temple, you're going to get opportunities for them to continue to prove themselves. And listen, we'll see what this thing looks like. But I'm not going to be surprised if they continue to do this for a, a while longer. All season, we'll see. But again, Noah Vegel and Shiano said this after the game, that Vegel will come back. It's not a season-ending injury. So he's going to be another guy that's added to this rotation. So listen, it's been it's been a, a carousel a bit, and we'll see if the carousel keeps spinning. But, I mean, no one should be surprised at this point if this continues to happen.
1: Well, it certainly certainly worked out, and I think if Rutgers had not pulled that game out, the narrative about the quarterbacks would be completely different right now. But listen, he said he was going to do it. It worked out. They won. Um, But I think moving forward, he also said, you know, we would like to get this sorted out at some point point. Um, and I think they will have to, but it's obviously going to get more complicated when Noah Vedral gets back and, and eventually, you know, maybe it does settle into, you know, being Vedral and, and, and Wimsad and Johnny Langan at some point, you know, uh, that may just be how they have to do it this season. But I think for continuity sake, it would be better to have one quarterback.
0: Yeah. And listen, no matter what, you know, anybody thinks about what, how they're handling the situation. I mean, there's no doubt that they have to get the quarterbacks, you know, they need to continue to progress. I mean, they only had 110 passing yards as a team. That's that's obviously, you know, not going to be enough. And and so they have to get those guys caught up and, you know, we'll see how they continue to evolve and, and, and progress. But, you know, certainly, you know, as I said, I'm not, I mean, the fact that you can not be surprised that they're doing this, but also you can also, you know, realize and acknowledge that they still have to get better and they, they've got a long ways to go here. So there's kind of two sides of that coin. I would love to know what was
2: going through the mind of some of the Rutgers coaches and Rutgers fans on that first drive when uh three different quarterbacks came out, ran three plays, and Rutgers went three and out. You had to be thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> what's going on here? I hope these guys know what they're doing. But in terms of this decision, they don't have to make one yet. And you have two opponents coming up who, let's face it, these are games that Rutgers should win. There's no preseason in college football. If you hate the two quarterback or even the three quarterback system, uh, these next two games are going to be a little rough for you because this is a time to get some reps for these guys in real games and to help contribute to that eventual decision. If there is one uh, later on in this season. So with Wagner coming in and then temple, uh, expect to see, I guess, more of this coming up. Greg Schiano also was asked about just kind of the in-game decision of which quarterback is playing on which play. Here's what he had to say about that.
3: Well, ultimately, you know, personnel is my decision, right? I listen to all my coaches. Um, I watch the video with them. I watch it separately. I get a lot of reports come to me. Um, but at the end of the day, I have to, that's my job as the head coach. During the game, I give my coaches latitude based on what they want to call, who they want doing it, and I thought Sean, uh, Sean and the offensive staff did a good job, really good job of managing that. Um, but some of that is, you know, subjective, right? I mean, how do you how do you know? You don't know. They're human beings. You don't know how people are going to react. Neither one of those quarterbacks have played a substantial amount of football, so. You know, you're getting to see it just as we are. We see it in practice, but the games are different. I mean, we all know that. And uh, so we're learning about them and and just, you know, just as everybody is. And then, you know, when are you going to name a a starter, you know, again, when it gives us the best chance to win.
2: So there you go. The the same kind of line that we've heard all summer. Uh, Steve, what do you think about that?
1: Well, listen. It's it's not an all hands on deck situation against Wagner, right? I mean, they're one in twenty five, I believe, since two thousand nineteen. Um, why not get Wimsat a lot a good run in there? Let's see if he, how accurate he can really be downfield. You know, we've seen glimpses of it, but we've also seen inaccuracy let's give him a good run with the first team and let's see what he can do and see if he can get some confidence. So I think that's kind of important against a team like Wagner is maybe, maybe let's get a really, really good look at Wimset.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's a good opportunity to do that. And, and, you know, it's, it's a four o'clock game. It's the home opener. Uh, you know, you wonder what the crowd's going to be like against an opponent like Wagner, but give, give the people something they want to see. You know, it's, it's the coaching staff isn't there obviously to, to, give the fans what they want, and serve the fans and sell tickets. They're there to win games. But at the end of the day, there's so many people that are excited to see Gavin Wimsatt, and they saw the glimpses, glimpses of him on Saturday. And, you know, that's what the fans want to see, and whether or not it's the, the correct decision uh, internally for the coaching staff. Obviously, we've not heard them commit to to any one player under center. But against an opponent like Wagner, it's an opportunity to really showcase what this
0: quarterback might have. The funny thing is, too, keep in mind, Gavin Wimsett has not played in front of the home crowd in a real game, in the spring game he did, but in front of the home crowd since he joined the program. So that's something else to kind of keep in mind, too, that I think the fans kind of do want to see him in a, in a game-like scenario, in a real game at SHI Stadium. So yeah, you're absolutely right. But listen, at the end of the day, you know, I could I could sit here and, and keep banging our heads against the wall and say it ad nauseum, you know, whatever he thinks he's, he's going to give them a chance to win is what he's going to do. So it's going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, and, and we actually had some some pretty good fan questions, uh, some listener questions come into the show. And, and one of these questions from Cheyenne here is related to this. He said he would love to see Gleason go run heavy with Wimsat and allow the offense to flow from there, let the running backs go off, play action galore thereafter, live and die by the run. Why not? And might have a good point there. Rutgers ran the ball really well on Saturday. Uh, Manungai 19 carries for 78 yards. Salam 5 for 53, as I said. Wimsat 5 for 40. So uh, it certainly seems like they have the ability to run the ball, and it seems like a guy like
0: Gavin Wimsat really just opens up the running game. Yeah, and there's no doubt. And listen, I mean, I you know, Rutgers offensive line obviously is a big key to that, and, and We've spoken so much about how big of a question mark that unit was, and they got better as the game wore on too against Boston College, and they ended up wearing down the Eagles' defense. And they did have a size advantage, and they used that to, to their advantage. Not you know to repeat myself <laughs> there, but they did take advantage of that. Um, so it, listen, it, it it worked, and I do think that you know Kyle Manungi and Alshadis Salam were a really good one-two punch. We saw that, and that last drive, that that twelve-play, ninety-six-yard drive really kind of encapsulated a lot of what Rutgers had wanted to see for a while now from that offense. Because I think last year, you know, Shiano actually talked about this at one point. He said you know, he would like to see the running backs run with a little bit more toughness, you know, run between the tackles. And then that's kind of what they were doing against Boston College. You know, Menungai is that type of running back. He runs with force. He absorbs hits. Um, he moves a pile. He It's just kind of like, you know, Shiano said previously, Get don't look for the home run. Get the two-yard runs, the three-yard runs, and eventually you'll get that home run it'll come naturally because either, you know, just you'll find a hole and you'll be able to explode through it into the end zone or for a big game or the defense will get tired, start missing tackles and things like that. So don't search for the home run. And that's exactly what happened. Manongai was kind of picking up chunks of yardage, wearing the defense down. And then you have Salam, who's a really shifty, quick, I mean, elite speed, great footwork, great vision, running back coming in and kind of, you know, you know, slicing through the defense. And then obviously we saw what happened on that game winning touchdown. So they are a really good complementary uh, tandem. And again, also too, don't forget Aaron Young is a part of that. And he was out, you know, because of injury. Uh, we still don't know when he's going to be back, but he adds a versatile threat to that running back group too. So, but listen, and from what we saw the other day, I, I agree. I think that they have, you know, running back coming into the year, you know, we knew that that had a chance to be a real strength. And especially if this offensive line can block for them and create some holes. It's 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 got a real possibility to really help drive this offense. Especially as the as we said earlier, especially as the quarterbacks continue to develop and figure out the passing game work with more consistency, I think Rutgers is gonna have to run the ball.
2: Yeah, and all three Rutgers touchdowns on the ground on Saturday. And as we've said before, a guy with Gavin Wimsat's skill set, uh, the defense has to honor the run when the quarterback has the ball when he's in, and that eventually helps open up things in the passing game as well as the linebackers start to cheat up a little bit, especially for a young quarterback to to have a little bit more space out there when he does drop back to pass. Uh, certainly, something that can help and something that we'll have to look for uh, the coming weeks. Again, it's it's Wagner on Saturday. You expect that they should be able to push them around and run the ball well. And I'm sure they'll want to run the ball in the second half to run out the clock a little bit, hopefully. Uh, but it's, it's something to keep an eye on as well, uh, for the game on Saturday. We have another fan question also come in from Fox. Uh, he said, well, let's not say Wagner and temple are anything, but awful. Thank you for not sugarcoating that Fox. Is it safe to assume some energies will be dedicated to Iowa? Uh, yes and no, I feel like, I mean, obviously they're not looking two games ahead, but you know, a lot of these, these two games coming up, uh, fact finding missions really to, to prepare for the big 10 schedule.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I agree with you there and, and it's a good question, Fox. And, Listen, I, I don't think that Rutgers is going to be opening up the playbook the next few games to try and beat Wagner and Temple. But I also think that they've they've got some stuff that they need to clean up, as Shiano referenced earlier. They can't commit ten penalties. I mean, that's just that's not going to fly. And once the Big Ten play starts, you're not going to win that way, especially with a young program that can't overly overcome those mistake easily overcome those mistakes, I should say. You know, so that that can't happen. They, they but and they're, they're still a young team that trying to learn about these guys and learn about players and what they can do. So. You know, again, I don't think that they're going to open up the playbook and start and reveal everything offensively or, but I do think that they're going to, you know, still do a lot to win. I mean, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, they're just going to kind of coast through these next couple of games. So I don't think a lot will be saved, quite frankly, in terms of, you know, personality use and things like that. But yeah, I mean, obviously they'll, I think they'll be pro- probably a little bit more conservative with their play calling just because they don't need to do a whole lot more, I would think.
1: And these guys, coaching wise, always have guys working on advanced stuff, you know, and maybe they devote a little bit more, you know, of that now in in terms of advanced scouting to Iowa and stuff like that. So, you know, they're super prepared when it does get to be Iowa week and and they're ready to roll. So I'm sure that's going on.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the next two games. And as we head to our prediction segment, uh, I think safe to assume we all expect a Scarlet Knights victory on Saturday. As Chris said last week, if that's not the case, then something very wrong happened. No no uh, faith in the Seahawks, Ryan. I know. Well, they they did blow a halftime lead against Fordham this past week and then uh, Fordham coming to Monmouth this week, by the way. But, uh, you know, it it should be a team that they handle. And it, it should be, you know, relatively easy game they take care of business and they clean up the things that they need to clean up Uh, this should be obviously an easy win for a power five team against a a team like Wagner so as as we put the win in the books this week for Rutgers instead of predicting a final score or anything like that how about one thing that we would just like to see out of Saturday's game Chris
0: um I think if you're a Rutgers fan again I I don't want to keep harping on it but I think well there's two things Number one, you need to clean up the penalties. You can't commit 10 again. And I do think a lot of that, there were a lot of false starts that I think had to do with jitters, as, as Shiano kind of references in the audio that we heard earlier. So I think that they need to clean up those penalties, just play a cleaner game overall. And then number two, just get more consistency from the quarterback and see if they can kind of continue to develop and learn and get the passing game going a little bit, at least further, you know, to kind of matching match how they were, you know, running the football. So I think those are the two things that, you know, if you're a Rutgers fan, you, you kind of want to see in this game. Steve, how about
1: you? Yeah, and I, I I agree with Chris on all of that. I I think you really do want to see if you can stretch the passing game out a little bit. Um, you know, it'll be interesting for the defense. Uh, I, I don't know how much trouble Wagner is going to give you, but you know, they Wagner played against you know probably the elite FCS quarterback last week and Tindamorat from from uh, Fordham. Uh, really good. Most people will tell you he is the best quarterback at that level. Um, so, you know, listen, they had a tough test in their first game. Um, I don't think they'll give much problem to Rutgers, but, you know, I think I think you do want to be able to move the ball and throw the ball against against them.
0: Yeah, and if you're a Rutgers fan, you're going to be watching this game, whether you're watching on TV or you're at the game, I would have a roster handy because I have a feeling, I mean, we know that Greg Shiano is going to play a lot of players this year, and I think that he's going to play a lot against Wagner. I mean, just because of the nature of the opponent and the kind of the opportunity that presenting. So I would probably have a roster near you.
2: Yeah. And, and as we said, you know, no preseason games, obviously, in college football. So that's uh, certainly a reason why you might see some guys further down the depth chart on Saturday, especially later in the game when you expect Rutgers to, to be up pretty comfortably at that point. And the thing I would like to see Saturday, and it might be asking a lot against an FBS opponent, but I would like to see the atmosphere there in Piscataway. It's a four o'clock game on Saturday. As of now, the weather looks pretty good. Uh, don't expect fans to really hang around if Rutgers is up 35 and we're running into dinner time on Saturday night but at least in in the first half you'd like to see that atmosphere there and give Rutgers something to build on uh as the Big Ten schedule starts to approach so hopefully a nice atmosphere there to welcome home the Scarlet Knights who are 1-0 looking to go 2 and 0 on Saturday and of course we'll be back next week on the chop to break it all down for you we'll look ahead to the Temple game and then beyond that obviously the Big Ten schedule starts and certainly a rough road ahead for Rutgers to navigate uh this very competitive conference but A lot to be happy about now. The Scarlet Knights are 1-0. They should be 2-0 by the end of the day on Saturday, and we will be back to talk about it next week on The Chop. Again, if you like what you hear, tell your friends to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow along with Chris and Steve on app.com and northjersey.com as they report on The Scarlet Knights. And be sure to tune in next week to The Chop. Thank you so much for listening. For Steve, for Chris, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time.